Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test, you know he's the one, yeah Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test, you know he's the one, yeah Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test so it's like we knew it would be, but we just kind of need somebody to say it. It'll be all right. It will be all right. As they used to say when I was growing up, after a while, Lord, will make it all right. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you so much for reminding us that it will be all right. Got day-to-day -day scrolling our feed, watching the news, hearing the news. It don't feel like it's going to be all right, but it will be all right. We thank you, God, that you who command even the winds and the waves and simply by your voice can say, peace be still, to calm the raging storms and even the storms that rage in our lives, that you yet still have the power to say, peace be still, in every problem, in every trouble, in every difficulty that we may be facing in our lives has to obey. God, we may not be experiencing that as our reality, but we do hold that as our faith. Help us, God, to continue to hold on to that faith that when it doesn't look good, we still believe you, we still trust you. I pray in the name of Jesus that now you will just give us a moment to dive into the treasures of your word, to hear from you, to be healed by you, to be conformed, to be more like you. I pray that you will do it and you alone will get the glory and credit. In Jesus' name, amen. Won't you praise God for this band, for Grandy. Amen. Um, so just to, um, to remind everybody, we are pivoting to our summer calendar. So for the month of July and in the month of August, we are in person and online on first Sundays and then online only for the rest of the month. So for the rest of this month, uh, we, will be, uh, we will be online and then we'll see each other again in person, face to face for service on the first Sunday in August, all right? Before we jump into the sermon, I wanna share this video. Um, so we, we posted it on social this week and it is uh, a video tour of Afkara Studio that we, you, City Point Community Church, helped to make possible for her through our co cooperative economics effort. So we're going to sh uh, show this video, and then I'll come back with um, and get started on the sermon. Hi. Welcome to my new studio that I'm so excited to share with you. So um, I wanted a space that was all white, all crisp, all clean, and this is what I have. So I picked a few things that would be like little vignettes that you could kind of take pictures in in different parts of the studio. Um, and this is my absolute favorite. I wanted a fireplace. I wanted something with a little detail. Um, so this would be awesome, awesome, awesome for couples. You know, you're just standing there being very cool, uh, like I like to be. <laughs> so <laughs> this was one of my favorite pieces to purchase. Um, for the studio. Um, and then we come over here 
and it's just a lot of the detail that um, the space didn't have already, so I wanted to make sure that I added those things to give a little, bleh, a little more special detail to the walls. Um, and then if you just follow me over here, uh, also this cozy little corner, perfect for little babies, put a little baby on the sofa and take the cutest picture ever. Um, and then my most, most favorite piece as well, along with the fireplace, uh, is this backdrop. I've been wanting a backdrop forever uh, that's hand painted, so it's gonna be great for a headshot, or family, or even again, baby, graduation, whatever photo you want, but it's just the nice little detail that makes a difference um, for your photo. That kind of takes it to another level. Here we have our backdrop wall for various colors of backdrop paper, and we have two colors right now, but we will have uh, an array of colors for you. So we'll just be able to pull it down, take your picture, roll it right back up. So um, that's the rest of my studio. Thank you so much for sharing with me, and I'll walk you guys out. Thank you for coming to visit Karen Mason Photography Studios, and thank you so much, City Point, for helping me make my dream come true. I'll see you guys soon. Amen. Acts chapter 4 says, and there was never a need among them, uh, because whenever there was, um, those in the congregation, in the community that had resources would bring them and would share them with those that needed. We have, uh, through our cooperative economics initiative, already begun to practice that, very much that Acts 4 model, and it is a beautiful thing to see happen. So for those um, that don't know, uh, CARA was our first small business to support, in addition to uh, the home down payment assistance that we plan to provide as well. Um, but we committed to $10,000 to Afkara for Afkara Mason Photography. And she has leveraged the funds, uh, the first installment of the funds, uh, to get her own uh, studio in Bridgeport. Beautiful place. You got to go check it out. And so in addition to supporting each other um, through our financial capital, we are also talking about leveraging our intellectual capital as well as our social capital. So some of the other ways that you can support Afkara is through just sharing stuff with your network about her business. Uh, we're in an age where everybody wants branding photos, and so that's a way that you can support as well. Some of us, like me included, need to get updated, uh, need to get theirs updated. Um, and then also through intellectual capital. And so if you've got some, um, some kind of uh, professional or intellectual assets that you can share with her or any of our burgeoning uh, business owners, whether you work in tech, uh, whether you um, are an attorney, whether you are an accountant, whether you work in marketing, these are all ways that we can support and show up well uh, to help bolster the businesses in our congregation. And that's a beautiful way to demonstrate what it looks like to be the body of Christ, to be the community showing up well for each other. So again, give yourselves a hand for, for supporting this. Uh, so this year we are redirecting $70,000 of our tithes and offerings into this cooperative economics initiative. So one of the ways that we're doing it is by scaling back on the number of in-person services that we do and then redirecting those funds that we would have spent um, for our, the production of our in-person service into this fund. It won't fund all of it. We're also looking for some other inventive ways to direct funds. But this is a beautiful way um, for us to reimagine what it looks like to be bringing our collective wealth together as a congregation. Let me say this last thing. I believe that 
the offering plate is the hidden gem in the black community. We're already practicing cooperative economics. We are bringing our money right now in this hour, right now in this city, whole bunch of black folks are bringing their money together, pooling it in a way that, that where they are trusting each other, trusting an institution, giving their money, bringing it together to accomplish a common goal. The question is, what does it look like if we expand our imagination for what that collective black wealth can do besides buildings and, and other things like that. Um, buildings and creating incredible church services. So that's what we're doing. It's very exciting. Other churches are excited about it. Seminaries are excited about it. And we're piloting, piloting it here at City Point. So very, very grateful for you guys. All right, let's look at Luke chapter 5. Um, I'm going to be reading from verses 27 through 32. Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. It says, after this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. For a few moments, I want to just talk about the table. The table. This is a continuation of our socially conscious Christianity series. The 4th of July is one of those good intergenerational holidays. It's about cookouts, backyard parties, house parties, and good times. What is always a hit at our house, especially when there are a lot of small kids that need to be entertained, is when Carla goes out to the back deck and she throws on the bubble machine. Those little kids will play and play and play in those bubbles and seemingly never get tired. They never get tired of chasing after all of the bubbles that that machine seems to be able to crank out. Uh, that bubble machine gives the parents some reprieve to enjoy a margarita moment without having to look after their kids or entertain their kids. But kids are not the only ones who seem to enjoy bubbles. I have discovered that when I look at my own life, I am guilty of finding joy, fun, and even comfort in bubbles. No, not, not the ones that float in the air before bursting. No, the ones that I am talking about are the more permanent kind. The, the bubbles that we tend to live in and operate our lives in are the ones I'm talking about. Where people think like us, carry values like us, share class status and taste just like us. That their political views are the same as ours. They went to the same kinds of schools that they went to and got the degrees that we got. Many of us, me included, function in these cultural bubbles. The algorithm on our devices further insulate that bubble by only serving us the kind of information and other content that's based on our archetype. 
And so today, we may have showed up this morning wearing jeans and dresses. We might be streaming online in pajamas, sweatpants, or yoga pants. But in actuality, that there is another invisible layer that we are all in today. And that layer is called the bubble. The bubble will make you reject any thought, perspective, or way of living outside of your bubble of understanding. The bubble will make you reject or dismiss people whose life story and experiences are not in sync, in sync with your norm. The bubble will limit life by narrowing the boundary lines of this expansive, diverse world that God has created. The bubble feels safe, yes, but its narrowness can be dangerous. When we look at Jesus' ministry, his ministry was norm-shattering. But not only was it norm-shattering, it was bubble-bursting. In fact, it is the reason, this very reason, why in Luke chapter 5, he is already, it is only five chapters in, he is already at beef with the Pharisees. He constantly refused to be confined to any kind of social bubbles that were defined by the rules of religion. And so when we come to chapter 5, verse 29, there is an issue because the crew of folks that Jesus was sitting at the table with, they didn't fit the bubble. It is effectively scandalous table fellowship that Jesus has engaged in. And in verse 30, it says, And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and with sinners? In other words, they raised the question to him, how dare you step out of the bubble? And so today, I want to press upon us that this model that Jesus gives us of breaking norms, of stepping outside of the social bubble to engage with other people that are different, this thing that Jesus did and what his followers did, these are the things that today we should emulate. Uh, in a nutshell, all that I want to preach about today is that followers of Jesus should expand their tables so that its makeup is as scandalous as that of Jesus. That, that's all I want to preach today. I have a very basic, but I want to admit, very difficult task of pushing you to break outside of your bubble. I, I want to push you today to engage in some scandalous fellowship to connect with some people who are not like you, to break some bread with somebody that is in a different class status than you if you are allowed to, to engage in some dialogue with people who don't think just like you. Why? Because this is what Jesus did. You all that have been listening to this series for these last few weeks uh, know the background of the Gospel of Luke. Luke writes the Gospel of Luke as volume one of this two-volume series to a person that he refers to as the most excellent Theophilus. It is assumed that this person that he is writing to is somebody of nobility or somebody that has some government ties and possibly because his name means lover of God, perhaps is a new convert to Christianity. Well, we do not know the exact reason that Luke writes to Theophilus. But we do know from looking at Luke chapter 1 that Luke has in his mind that he wants to give an orderly account of this Jesus movement. The, the gospel of Luke is a little bit different than the other gospels because it, what it does is it deeply centers the poor 
and the marginalized. But what it also does is it locates Jesus and his ministry and Jesus' work or the work of the kingdom of God. It locates it squarely amongst the poor, the marginalized, and the oppressed. That there is a tension, a distinction, and a contrast throughout the Gospel of Luke between the rich and the poor, the powerful and the powerless, the accepted and the marginalized. And so it makes sense that in chapter 5, Luke would tell the story of Jesus inviting a person to be one of his followers, somebody that was considered the scum of the earth, a tax collector. What it seems that Luke is trying to communicate about Jesus is that this thing that Jesus was developing was a big tent type of movement. It was not small and narrow. It was not limited to only certain kinds of people, but it was a big tent movement. Not one that was confined by bubbles of standards. Not one that was confined by constructed norms. If one tried to place Jesus even in a bubble of the poor, Luke chapter 5 demonstrates that you can't pigeonhole Jesus. Because Jesus will even break out of the bubble of the poor and the marginalized to invite somebody like Levi or who we know as Matthew who worked for the oppressor to scam the poor. Jesus would invite even somebody like that to be one of his followers. And so it is while Matthew is at his tax collecting scam or shall I say business where he collects taxes and likely extorts some extra money for himself from the poor. It's while he's at work that Jesus approaches him, and through whatever convincing words that he uses, Jesus gets him to be one of his followers. uh, Luke says that Matthew left everything to follow Jesus. I do not know what Jesus said to him. Perhaps he said the same kinds of things that he said in the synagogue about the kingdom of God, about new ethics, about lifting up the poor about lifting up the oppressed and the imprisoned and the people with disabilities when he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has sent me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to set the captives free. He has uh, sent me to proclaim freedom for the oppressed and restore sight to the blind. Perhaps these are the kinds of words that he said to Matthew. Perhaps even though Matthew was a Jew and was making a come up off of poor Jews, Perhaps something in his heart felt that there had to be a better way than this dog-eat-dog, exploit-or-be-exploited kind of existence, existence and system that they were living in. For that reason or some other, we do not know, Matthew leaves everything and follows Jesus. Jesus has such an impact on his life that according to chapter 5, verse 29, Matthew threw a great feast in Jesus' honor at his house, and he invited a lot of his tax collector homies and who the Pharisees described as sinners. Jesus takes no issue with the fact that this was not his group. He, He takes no issue with the fact that his people His demographic is the poor, and here he is with a bunch of Matthew's friends who are effectively conspirators in the system that exploited the poor. He he takes no issues with having personal values and holiness as a personal standard, but then breaking bread and feasting with those who the Pharisees called 
sinners. Yes, he breaks out of the bubble and is comfortable where he is. And when the religiously uptight people, the do-too-much religious folks within the Jews said something about it, they called him out about it. Jesus said to them, those who are well, in verse 31, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In other words, it seems that Jesus is under the conviction that conversion tends to happen when we've entered into genuine community first. That, that shouting at, shaming, and shunning are ineffective tools to advance the agenda of the kingdom of God. That instead, dialogue must be the order of the day. And so I say to you that the lesson that we learn today is that followers of Jesus should expand their tables so that its makeup is as scandalous as that of Christ. Let us consider, first of all, that Jesus' table included those who were, first of all, complicit. Y- y'all have heard me over the course of this series run down the scam that the tax collectors were engaged in. I- I'll mention it briefly for those that perhaps haven't heard before. So there were people that got these patronage, job, patronage jobs or these contracts that gave them the right to collect taxes on behalf of the Roman Empire. The way that the scam went was that you had to collect a certain amount, a quota, if you will, that you had to run to the Roman Empire. Certain amount that you had to give them. But, but then, anything that you could get in addition to that quota was yours to keep. When people didn't pay, you had the ability to use force and the full weight and power of the government to get that money. So you could take their land. You could take their crops, you could take their animals, you could even take their family members and place them in bondage to work off the money that you wanted. And so because of how they operated, tax collectors were despised, especially among poor people and the powerless people. The Bible says that Matthew was one of these people. Not only was Matthew one, although he had left all to follow Jesus, a lot of his homies were tax collectors too. In other words, they were all complicit. Jesus had said in that synagogue in Nazareth that he came to proclaim good news to the poor. Well, these tax collectors had some bad news for the poor. They were complicit. And so Jesus, as an advocate for the kinds of ethics that were the solution, And somehow at the table, breaking bread with folks who were a part of the problem. This is scandalous. But this is Jesus. Uh, Jesus believes, perhaps, that in order for change to happen, connection was necessary. Conversation was necessary. And that through exchange, through something as intimate in that day as table fellowship, as feasting together, eating together, drinking drinks together, throwing back shots together, that the door of trust and dialogue would become open. Let me say to you this morning that Christianity is so scandalous. Being a follower of Jesus is so scandalous that it leaves room even for those who are complicit. That the effectual call of Christ is not just for us and our bubble, but the scandal of the cross is that it is for whosoever. This passage pushes me, and I hope today that it 
pushes you to not limit our tables of fellowship and our bubbles of connection to only the people who share our values and our struggle. But then hopefully that we will leave open the possibility of dialoguing with even the people who are complicit. Yeah, the sellouts, the coons, the blacks for Trump's people. I have a problem. <laughs> Your t-shirt got blacks for Trump. Something tells me y'all didn't make that shirt for yourself, but I digress. The sellouts, the coons, the ones who profiteer off of the suffering of our people, the slumlord, the shady politician, the payday loan profiteer, the, the greenwashing, rainbow washing, black struggle washing corporate profiteer that sees our struggles as a tool to make a buck. I'm in Target the other day and there's a beer called Black is Beautiful. So I say to you that maybe, just maybe, as Jesus left open the possibility for conversion with people that are complicit, maybe, just maybe, that through conversation, that change can happen through our conversations, through our connections, or even at the very least, if that never happens, we have left open the door for conversation. Not only are the complicit at the table, but I see as I look around that there are also the conspicuous at the table. Uh, my brother, uh, Brandon, and I are about the same age. When we were growing up, when we were teenagers, I did a lot of the same things that he did. But the major difference is that he was very conspicuous. Yeah, he, he was not low-key the way that I was when making bad teenage decisions. This is likewise a story for many of you. It, it is not that you did not or do not do dirt, you just do it inconspicuously. I like to say that we are all felons, it's just that some of us, only some of us got caught. But for the sake of this text, the conspicuous are those who sin out loud. That these are folks who are not low-key with their life. That these are our folks who do what they do, and everybody knows it. Yeah, this crowd was at the dinner too. Luke says that the Pharisees referred to them as sinners. Earlier in the text, Luke simply referred to them as others. But Jesus comes under scrutiny because he is eating with people whose transgressions are known about. People who live their free lives out in the open without regard to religious convictions. Yet Jesus eats with even them. To get it, to really see it, I need you to realize that this is not some communal table at some trendy restaurant in the West Loop where random people sit at the table together without regard to who's at the table. No, this is different. In this day and in this culture, to sit at the table with somebody, this was intimate. It communicated something about closeness, about respect, about community, about kinship when you sat at the table to break bread with somebody. And so this is why it was scandalous. Jesus, the representation of holiness and righteousness, was willing to be in this kind of closeness and community with conspicuous 
sinners. What I believe Luke is trying to communicate again is that Jesus refuses to be encapsulated by any kind of bubble of righteousness. But instead, he says in verse 31, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so Jesus resists the bubble and effectively says that this is exactly where I need to be because it is through these connections that conversion eventually happens. Let me say to you that you ought to not be so holy in your bubble that you reject sharing space with the conspicuous. I am not suggesting that if you are recovering from an addiction that you need to go hang out with those that are struggling with addictions. No, what I am saying is that when, when there is no threat of harm, we should live and enjoy and do life in community with people without judging who they are, where they are on their journey, or where they come from. It is this kind of scandalous fellowship. It is this kind of scandalous connection that Christians especially those of us who are justice-loving, equality-seeking, ethically-living followers of Jesus, this is the kind of scandalous connection that we need to make. We need to be ready to do this regardless of whether people have imperfection, imperfections in their lives because sometimes you are the light and life that may end up be leading them to the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And let me also say that even if that never happens, at least we have left ourselves open to experience the measure of goodness that God has placed in every human being. Not only are the complicit and the conspicuous at the table, but let me say finally, the controversial are at the table. Maybe I'm reading too much in the text. But when I read that the Pharisees called out some as, at the table as being sinners, I've got to believe that there were not only the conspicuous sinners who did wrong, there were also people who didn't do wrong according to them the right way. Or in other words, those who were exponentially wrong because of who they were. Y'all remember that woman that was caught in adultery who was doing wrong, who they brought before Jesus her wrong was treated exponentially as wrong because she was a woman. And so they brought her, stoned her for doing wrong, for committing adultery. The problem is, and I'm not an expert in this, you usually don't get caught in the very act of adultery by yourself. I'm not an expert in how these things work. Usually the way that it works is un unless there is some new way that I don't know about is that it takes two to tango. But there is something special usually when it is a woman. When men do it, it is boys being boys. When women do it, it's punishable by death. Not just who the Pharisees considered sinners are at the table. But I believe people like this woman who, are who was controversial are at the table. Let me put it this way. The Brunos that you don't talk about were at the table. 
But Jesus was bold enough to be with the Brunos at the table, the controversial. May I invite you to break bread and break your bubble for the Brunos of this world? Can I push you to consider the Brunos in your family, at your job, in your building, the people that you have resisted because their very being is controversial? But the people whose bodies and lives and personhood may even be controversial, can, can I challenge you to break your bubble for them? As Christians, we, we have been so wrongly social, socialized to marginalize certain people and not honoring that every person is fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. Can I push you to break your bubble even for the Brunos? I, I close this sermon with this. There is the video circulating on social media this week about the, in my opinion, very bogus dad <laughs> who only brings enough McDonald's for his kid and not the kid's siblings. In, in his mind, he has done a good thing because he has this little bag of food and this really big drink for his kid to be able to drink a lot of sugar and eat a little bit of food. And so he has done a gallant thing by doing this. But in the, in the mom's opinion, he has not because he hasn't brought enough for everybody. He, he hasn't thought about the fact that everybody, all the kids, deserve to eat. But let me say that when I think about this situation, I think about us as it relates to our bubbles, our limiting of our spaces of connection and concern and care for folks that are not like us, that are not in our circles, that are not in our core group of concern. And so we limit ourselves. But here we see Jesus pushing us, as I close, to break that bubble, to break through it, push through the bubble of comfort and to engage in deeply, even scandalous fellowship. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you today for pushing us, for challenging us to be as scandalous in our fellowship as Jesus Christ, to break out of our bubbles, to engage with those that are not like us, to engage with those whose values may not be exactly the same, Life experiences may not be exactly the same. Even politics may be different. Help us to push through, push out of our bubbles and be willing to engage in connection, conversation, even community with anybody. It is through these kinds of radical attempts at engagement that conversation can happen that our life and our light can provide a path to the way, the truth, and the life, which is Jesus Christ. The way that our ethics can be shared, our way of viewing the world, our way of viewing justice, our way of viewing what is right can be shared. Help us to be willing to be uncomfortable for the sake of this. It's in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Won't you praise God for his word?